Good morning. If I could have your attention as our choir makes their way in, I've got uh, several announcements I'd like to make before we begin our service. Um, if, first of all, I'd like just to call your attention to the bulletin. If you got a copy of your bulletin, make sure you look at that. There is a lot of activities this month, um, too many to announce this morning, but all those are important. There's lots of ways you can get involved in ministry and missions throughout the month of November. So please make sure you take a look at the bulletin. And if you didn't get one, you can also access that online. For those that are watching online, you can access that through our website, download a copy of our bulletin each week. But we'd encourage you to do that. But just two that I need to mention that were not on the slides that I want to call your attention to. First of all, just a reminder, um, if you're not aware of this, they will be having the first annual Veterans Day Parade that will take place this Friday Begin at 1 p.m. All the activities will begin at First Baptist Church, and they will have a parade that will begin there and take the traditional Christmas parade route. Um, but I encourage you, if you're available on Friday, Veterans Day, to please participate in that, support our veterans, and show our appreciation. And then also our women on mission, they will be collecting items of warmth for our area homeless and others in need um, locally throughout the month of November. Now we're collecting coats for coats for the city for the New York project. We do have a team that will be going in December as a part of that outreach to share the gospel as coats are given out in New York City. But um, in addition to that, when that ends this Wednesday, our Women on Mission will be collecting items such as new or like new scarves, gloves, toboggans, and if you still have coats you'd like to donate, I'm sure they will take those and you can use those collection barrels that we've been using for coats um, for those items throughout the month of November. And they also want to invite all of our ladies this Thursday at 6.30 in the gym classroom. They will have a guest speaker to share about the Ronald McDonald House. So we'll invite all of our ladies to be a part of our Women on Mission group, and that will be this Thursday at 6.30. So as we begin our service, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and I'd like to open us up with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are humbled and in awe of how great you are. There are times we just get so busy we neglect the greatness of your love, the surety of your faithfulness, Lord, the power that you possess. Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. Lord, there are so many reasons we have to bow before you in worship. So, Lord, we pray that you would um, take pleasure in what you hear from your children in this place today because, Lord, you deserve all the praise and all the glory, and we thank you that you are with us today. And we want to tell you we love you as we worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. to the blind I believe that the dead came to life I believe there are wonders and signs and you're still the same I believe every word that you said I believe there are scars in your hands that your goodness is good without end you'll never change I will tell of your wonders sing of your grace the God of creation knows me by
Well, if you need a thought to begin every single day of your life, what better truth? The Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always. That will never change, and that's what we cling to. It's so good to welcome you here to East Hillsville Baptist Church on this lovely, rainy, humid day. I think everybody did a little sweating today in Sunday school, but um, we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, it's an honor to have you with us, and we would encourage you before you run out today, please stop by our guest table in the lobby. Pick up a guest bag that has information on our ministries here. I also encourage you to fill out a guest card or the care card that's in your bulletin. We'd love to have a record of your visit to know who you are, to know how we can serve you. But uh, right now, we're going to ask everyone to please stand, take a minute, say hello to your neighbor, shake a hand, bump a fist, hug a neck, welcome one another to the service.
Thank you so much. As we come to this time of prayer, I just want to lift up a couple families and names to you. Many of you know Linda Mundy and her family. She passed away this past week at uh, the hospice house off Robinson Road in Hickory. If you will remember her and her family, Mike and Kevin and God, Tiffany and the rest of her family. Linda was a wonderful, kind person. And if you knew, you knew Linda, the last visit I had with her was at Catawba Hospital. Uh, to where she talked to me the whole time she talked about other people how much she loved the lord and how much she loved her family and pray for my good friend scott hammer he'll be officiating that service today uh, i'll be uh, officiating johnny starnes service today johnny passed away this past week as well johnny has been a member of this church for a long time he's been homebound about the last probably six six years but johnny starnes loved this church he was always faithful to this church he helped many men overcome addictions and I'm honored to take part in his service today. So if you'll remember his daughters in prayer and the rest of his family. Also, Wayne Jones, Wayne and Mabel are always here. Uh, but Wayne uh, has been in the hospital this past week. So remember him in prayer. And our chairman of deacons, Chris Russell, uh, is in Catawba Hospital right now. And I would encourage you at this time, if you will, to come down. And let's lift these families up in prayer. These families need your prayers this morning. Okay? Some of them need your touch, uh, need God's touch emotionally and spiritually. And some of them need your, your touch God's touch physically. So as the choir leads us in this song, if you'll meet me here at the altar, let's lift these families up in prayer this morning. Thank you. opportunity to pray. Father, we want to, th we want to lift these families up to you, Lord. Uh, as we mentioned, those who have lost loved ones, Father, we're so thankful that to be absent from the body is to be presence with the, present with the Lord. And Father, I pray that you would help them, uh, Lord, in their hurt. Lord, grieving is a natural pro uh, part of life, but Lord, you can help and heal. Father, we're just so thankful for their faith in you. And Lord, we want to lift Chris up to you in prayer. Lord, pray that you continue to touch his body. Lord, be with Tracy as a caregiver and the rest of his family. We want to thank you for Chris and Tracy and their witness and, Lord, their service to this church. The same thing for Wayne and Mabel. Lord, they're so faithful here. And, Lord, they would be at this altar praying for uh, anyone in this church. And, Father, I just pray that you'd meet their needs as well. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together. Lord, I lift our nation up to you. During this time when an election is just right around the corner, Lord, we just pray for our nation. Lord, we pray that, um, Lord, you would... Uh, Intercede and Lord, just just bring help and hope in ways that only You can. And Father, we want to thank You for this service, Lord, to, to get, that we're able to worship together, to give, Lord, to pray, to sing, uh, Lord, to respond at an invitation time. Lord, we just want to thank You and praise You for allowing us to do that. And I pray that we'd never take these times for granted. Lord, bless those in attendance today, Father. For those watching online today and this week, Father, we pray that Your Word would not return void in their lives. Father, encourage convict, challenge, convert for your honor and your glory, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So 
There is no distance that cannot be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. I'll be your shelter. I'll be your armor. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. Amen. Thank you, Kayla. As many of you know, next week we'll have a benefit barbecue to benefit uh, the Sander Arms family. And I just want to thank uh, Michael and Sander Arms for their faithfulness to our church. Um, they started visiting here many years ago. I don't want to get the year wrong, but within a month of them being here, or a month or two, they were started serving and have been serving ever since. And I'm just very thankful to be your pastor. And um, as you know, the barbecue will be next week after the service. And I've asked Sandra if she will to come and let her two boys come with her, Cody and Casey. Really appreciate them. And share with you kind of what her journey's been. So you'll better understand how to help. Well, this is part of my support team. I have not cried a tear, and I hope I don't cry now. I have not cried through none of this. I wrote this stuff down so I wouldn't forget what I wanted to say. Plus, I didn't want to have to look at everybody and try to talk because I knew I'd forget. Because this is scary. <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to say God is good. Uh, my journey started back in January of 2022. I had been sick from the first of the year. The last time I had been to Iredell to the emergency room, they had told me my CAT scan showed my gallbladder was full of gallstones. I had kidney stones several times too. I had been so sick throwing up that Michael had taken me to the emergency room four or five more times. They told me at one of my visits that my large intestine had an infection and that I had colitis. They said I needed a colonoscopy, and we found out later if I would have had a colonoscopy then, it would have killed me. It was getting to the point that I was sick all the time. Michael would tell me, Sandra, if you don't find out what's wrong with you, you're going to die. And he would say, I can't live without you. He said, you can't keep going on like this. It got so bad that I could just smell food and get sick. 
but I didn't cry. I didn't cry none. I knew God would be with me. And I kept losing weight, which I needed to. On Sunday, May the 29th, I was here at church and I was practicing with the praise team. And it hit me again that I was so sick. Michael said, we're leaving and we're going to the emergency room. We got there about 10.30 that morning and they started doing tests and scans. Uh, Michael got firm with them that time because he was getting tired. He told them if they didn't know what was wrong to send me somewhere else. Later that night, about 10 o'clock, the doctor came in and said, I had a mass on my colon and it was entwined with my small intestine causing a blockage. I looked at Michael and big old tears was running down his face. I didn't cry. I told Michael and the doctor, I said, why not me? The doctor told me that I was gonna have to go to the Baptist hospital the trauma team would be doing my surgery. I had to go in the ambulance that night about 11 o'clock. I gave the ambulance driver strict orders not to go off and leave Michael. We had several people offer to come and drive Michael. Uh, my niece Amy, the preacher, uh, Bev, my boys, Ricky, Daryl, and Sharon. Sharon said, we can come and drive him. But no, he, he decided he would drive. There was any number of people I could have called that I know knew that would come to drive him. When the ambulance backed up at the Baptist Hospital, the first thing that ambulance driver said to me is your husband is here and he stayed right with us. It was a little overwhelming going on the stretcher down the long hallways of the hospital it's huge and very busy all the time. Uh, I was on the ninth floor in the Reynolds Tower and my room number was 911. <laughs> that was my room number and that kind of gave me an eerie feeling. I thought, oh me. The next day was Memorial Day and they took me down for surgery early. Michael looked pitiful, but I didn't cry. and. One thing that has touched me through all this is how could anyone go through something like this and not know God? I told them when I got down there for them to be sure that Michael had something for breakfast. The nurse took him something. I was more worried about him than myself. I remember praying before they took me in the operating room, God, please be with me. And then I said, God, you're always with me. Please be with the surgeons and please don't let me have to have a bag because I knew if I had to have that, I would have to have surgery again in a couple months. After I came out of surgery, which it was a long surgery, I asked one of the nurses, do I have a bag? He said, no, ma'am, it was successful. My cancer was a stage three that's why I had to take chemo treatments for a while for prevention of it coming back. On July the 18th, my wound ruptured and I had to go back to the hospital in the ambulance. I still didn't cry. I'm doing better now, thank God. I want to thank my family for loving me so. Their support has been amazing. Michael has been so good to me. Cody, who stayed two weeks with me, one in the hospital and one at home, he works from home and that, that has been such a blessing. They called me all the time to check on their mama, all the time. And Casey's not one to send a long text, but he sent me a text and it's still on my phone. And I hope he don't care, but I'm gonna, I wanna share what he said. I want to say I love you. I understand the road we have won't be easy, but it's just a road that will one day come to an end. So please eat and be strong mentally and physically. We are a team and we've got this. I see how strong you are. Let's be a positive family and we'll get through this. We're all blessed and we all have something to be thankful for. I just can't understand why people are too shy to speak up about God. 
At the hospital, I was telling all the nurses and the doctors, everybody about, um, I go to East Taylorsville Baptist Church, and it's a big church, but it's a loving church, and I tried to witness to everybody. Because if we can't praise him here on earth, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? I'm not ashamed of my God. And now I just want to uh, thank God for being so good to me. My family, which my support team, special thank you to Brittany, Kara, and my sweet little Eli, my sister, my nephew, and my niece, Amy, my best friend, Bev, who drove me to Baptist Hospital all summer. All summer long, she drove me to the hospital, sometimes twice a week. And uh, she would go in with the doctor and our visits and stuff, and they'd say, can you come back on Thursday? And she'd say, I don't see why not. We can, we'll be here. And then when Bev started back to school, my niece Amy took over driving me to the hospital. I want to thank Heather Miller and Dr. Inman and I want to thank Preacher Jamie for coming to the hospital to visit me. I know one, he, he came a couple times and I told him one time, the COVID started around, do not come. I want to thank the office staff, I want to thank the choir, and I want to give a special thank you to Sharon. Uh, my children's Sunday school department, my church family for all the calls, text and cards and most of all your prayers this is such a loving church and i love you all and if you ever send anybody a card here at church you don't know how much it's appreciated because i till a couple weeks ago i was getting cards from may till then and michael he would check the mail and he would come in and i'd say what do we get in the mail did I get any cards? And he said, well, there's three here, but you don't know how touching that is to receive just a card in the mail that someone's thinking of you. But again, I love each and every one of you, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Sandra. And I just want to remind you, next week you have a tremendous opportunity to help this family. If you've been in the hospital with any kind of extended stay like that, you know how expensive that it can be. Unfortunately, here in America, health expenses are very high. So next week, is uh, she talked about her family, or her family's her team. Also, your church is your family as well, and we're here to help each other. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and stand with me. We're going to be talking about doctrines and demons this morning. We're still going through a question and answer uh, series, which we've been in since, I think, since April. It's been a long time. But we're in this uh, ser series now about angels and demons. And last week we looked at, are, are demons real? And we saw how a demon went to church. And then when Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the Word, stood up and started expositing Scripture, that the demon was, um, was terrified. And now we're going to look at how demons are behind every cult, every false religion, everything in this world system. Now listen to me. Paul said, do not be transformed to the world. That has nothing to do with how you dress, for the most part. Uh, for the most part, not so much what kind of music you listen to or what store you shop at. It's talking about a worldview, right? A anti-God, anti-Christian worldview. This is all over the New Testament. You take Jesus from his resurrection on, almost every epistle that is written, not all of them, deals with, one. eventually it deals with this, beware of false teachers. Beware of false teachers. Because if, if Satan can tweak Jesus this much, all that is is your eternal soul that will be damned forever. Behind every cult, behind every false teaching, behind every atheist worldview, behind every false religion, is this doctrine of demons. Notice what Paul says to Timothy, Timothy's pastor uh, in Ephesus, a church that Paul founded. And he writes this letter to Timothy. Young, young man, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says, that's very important. Paul says the Holy Spirit says it, and I would say this from the Old Testament we'll look at, through the New Testament, the Spirit says this, that in latter times some will depart from the faith. This is the theme of these first five verses. Notice that. 
depart from. And what are they departing from? It's not like they're just leaving a church to go to another church. That happens all the time in Alexander County, right? Go from this church to that church to this church to that church. It just happens, right? Sometimes there's very good reasons. Sometimes they're petty reasons. We're not talking about that. Notice the words, the faith. These people leave the foundational truths of Christianity. That, that's where you get the word, that word departs, where you get the word apostate. It means you held one view here, but now you shun it and say, that is wrong, and I hold this view now. And the Spirit says, in the latter times, it's going to happen. He says, giving heed to, now that's in a very important two words there. Okay, Giving heed, heed to deceiving spirits or seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Father, uh, as a church, Lord, it'll be harder for people to depart from the faith if they know what it is. And I pray that as a church from our bed babies, all the way up to our senior adults, that anytime someone teaches or preaches here, or a song is sung or a prayer is prayed, that, Lord, we stand on the faith and promote the faith to encourage people never to depart the faith, our faith in Jesus. And, Father, help us to overcome. Father, we all probably know people in our lives, at work, in our families, who have departed from the faith. What a great ministry we have to reach out to those. And Father, I pray that we as Christians would mature in our minds and know what we believe so that if we hear the counterfeit, we'll know it and never be seduced by these seducing spirits, if you will. Father, the battlefield is the mind and help us to overcome and win in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Wayne Grudem defines demons as evil agents who sinned against God and who now continually work evil in the world. That's a pretty simple biblical explanation of what demons are. They have great power and abilities beyond human abilities. Demons can do things that human beings can't do. They're supernatural. Adrian Rogers said this to his church whenever he was alive. He's preaching to about 7,000 people at Bellevue Baptist Church. And he said this, if you don't believe in demons, you can't believe the Bible. They're all over the Bible. Jesus confronted demons. He talked about demons. Most of the disciples that wrote epistles talked about demons over and over again. We know that demons joined Satan in his original rebellion and were cast out of heaven. All demons exist in two categories, either the confined or the unconfined. This is how, this is how demonic invitation begins, how you can invite a demon into your life. You yield to sin. Spiritual rebellion, dabbling in the occult, let me say that again. Dabbling, playing around with the occult. The word occult means hidden. Hidden what? The hidden world. Very real in the Bible. Old Testament to New Testament, it talks about how it is real. Unresolved bitterness and anger can lead to all these things. Four method of demonic attacks or accusation. Isn't it amazing that when you sin as a Christian, there's guilt that comes, right? If, if we're honest with ourselves, when we sin because we're saved, there's guilt that comes. Then there's something that's even worse than that. It's accusation. And that accusation does not come from God because you've been justified by faith. You've been justified, which is a legal term, in the courtroom of heaven, justified, not guilty, by faith. But then along comes the accuser. Jesus said, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, which says you're worthless. You're a hypocrite. You're no good. How can you even go out in public? How can you go to church and raise your hand and sing praises to God after what you did? Accusation. That's how, that's how Satan attacks Christians is through accusation, deception, infliction, temptation. I heard one guy uh, share it this way. He said, if you put red ants and black ants in a jar and you just leave them there, they're content to get along. But as soon as you shake the jar, they start fighting with each other. As soon as you shake the jar, they start fighting with each other. These red ants and these black ants. And he said this, the real enemy is not the red ant or the black ant, but the person who shook the jar. That's why Paul says our fight is not against flesh and blood. That's what Satan wants. Your fight is against principalities and powers, rulers in the unseen world. Why do lost people act like lost people? Well, they're lost. 
That's why they're not your enemy. There's an enemy behind them. That's why the gospel is so important. But the key passage or phrase in this passage is this, some will depart from the, from the faith. One, one scholar put it this way, there's always been a battleground between God and his truth and the devil and his lies. And that battleground is clearly drawn in Scripture. The fight goes on constantly. God calls all people through the truth. Satan and his demon tries to lure people away from the truth with his hellish lies. The battleground for your life is not your heart, it is your mind. Be smart, mature, grow up. The word disciple means this, a continual learner. Paul told the church, the, the Christians, when he was writing the book of Hebrews, or, or God did, he said this, the reason you want to fall back and go back to your old way of life is because you're babes, and instead of eating meat, you're still drinking milk. He said, instead of being mature adults who crave the, the meat of God's Word, you're still a babe, and you're drinking milk. One of the things, the commitments you can make at the end of this service today is for you personally to say to God, God, I will grow more mature in my faith. If so, these things will not happen. You notice, number one, don't depart from the faith. Notice the verse on the screen. Paul says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Isn't it amazing that Satan convinced one-third of the angels to leave heaven, now get this, from the very throne room of God? And you think you can withstand his attacks. He convinced, according to the Bible, with his mouth speaking, one-third of the angels to leave God's throne room, in the throne room of God, to follow him. It's amazing, isn't it? And, and we think we can handle those attacks without Christ. You can't do it. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, you know what the Bible talks about? It doesn't talk about his looks so much, even though he's going to be a handsome man. He's going to be a great speaker. And he'll control people in their mind with his words. And everything he says is going to be anti-Christian. And that's what Paul's saying is happening in his day. Paul says it's happening in his day whenever he was leaving Ephesus. He went before the elders of his church and he says this, Therefore I testify to you to this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He's saying, I've taught you everything I can teach you. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away, there's that word, the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul says, I'm leaving the church and I want to talk to the spiritual leaders, the elders, like our deacons. And he's crying and he says, do not, grow up men, know the Bible. Do not let people come into this church and teach false doctrine. Do not allow your members, if, they, if they're in the church, to have books written by false teachers. Grow up, he says. Please show us that you're mature. The writer of Hebrews says this, Those who depart from God demonstrate an unbelieving heart. Some, but not all, the Bible says we'll do it. Judas did it. Paul said, Demas has forsaken me going after the world. Notice what happened to Jesus in John 6, 6, 6. From that time, what time is that when Jesus spoke about what it really meant to follow him? They, in John 6, 61, it says, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? What they're saying is this. I don't think I like what you're telling me now, Jesus. See, it just fed to 5,000. We want that Jesus, right? We want feed me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. But what does it cost to follow Jesus when Jesus says, you, you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and I won't go into what all that means, they said from that time, many of his disciples, now look at the word disciples, which means this, we're following Jesus. We're leaving our homes and following Jesus. Does that mean a person's a Christian? Nope. Went back and walked with him no more. How many people do we know like that? Made a profession of faith. We're baptized at East Hills Baptist Church. Got a brick. And now they don't even believe. Oh, it's all over the New and Old Testament. All over the New and the Old Testament. That word, if you'll notice in verse 1 again, that word depart is where we get the word apostate. It means to depart from, to remove, to remove yourself from a former place, to remove yourself from the position you originally occupied to another place. That is a purposeful, intentional, deliberate departure from a former position. 
It isn't talking about an unintentional fall. It isn't talking about somebody struggling with doubt. It is someone who deliberately disposes himself of truth once affirmed to depart for another teaching, abandoning something that was once affirmed. The Holy Spirit says this will happen. In the Old Testament, Moses said this to the children of Israel. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply. Your life's going to be blessed. Then he goes on to say this. The Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess, but if your heart turns away, that word, turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away to worship other gods, small g, and to serve them, See, you will serve whatever God you worship. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. And then Moses said this, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So many people choose death. I don't understand that. Joshua says this, who succeeded Moses. He said if, at the end of his life, he said, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. In the New Testament, Jesus says this, Many false Christs, many false prophets will come. They will, this is a promise, deceive many, and many will leave the faith. He goes on to say in Mark 13.22, they will go away from the faith. Scriptures indicate to us in 2 Thessalonians 2 that before the coming of Christ in glory, there will be a massive departure from the faith. Listen to what, what Paul is telling the church at Thessalonica. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how, we, how we'll be gathered to meet Him. So I just want to make this clear. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. See, that's already false teaching. Don't believe them even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there's a great falling away from God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and, and defy the one who brings, and defy everything that the people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming to be God himself. He goes on to say this, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Life and truth, life and death is set before you today. John says this in 1 John 2, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. Those people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, they proved that they did not belong to us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Who is a liar? Anyone who says Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Think about that for a moment. Any religion, any, any, any building that has people that gather on whatever day, if they deny that Jesus Christ was historically born, historically lived, historically died and historically rose from the dead, and is God in flesh, is the spirit of antichrist. Doesn't matter how many followers they have, how nice the buildings are, how nice the people are. It does not matter at all. They've been deceived by doctrines of demons. Paul says this will happen in the latter times. Notice the second thing. First thing is don't depart from the faith and don't give heed to doctrines of demons. Notice the verse, still verse 1, giving heed. Look at the word giving heed. That word means this. It's a very strong word. It doesn't mean just to listen to, okay, it means more than giving attention to. It means to assent to. It means to devote oneself to, to attach oneself to, to cling to a person or a thing or an idea. It is a present tense verb in this case. It has the idea of continually clinging to the seduction of the spirits and the doctrines they purvey. What a statement. When I heard the gospel, 
and the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart, this is what I did. I said, I believe that. I believe Jesus died and rose again. I believe it. But then on October 30th, 1990, see, you can believe that all you want to. The demons do. I gave heed to it. I ascended to it. I gave my life to it. And as I woke up this morning, I gave heed to the fact that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Somebody says, preacher, how can I know that I'm saved? What are you believing in now? What is your faith in right now? Not a decision you made when you were eight. A lot of people make decisions at, at their, when they're eight. Hey, I was 20 when I made that decision, and I'm 52 now, and every day of my life I make that decision. Jesus Christ is my Savior. See, those who go away from that give heed to, they assent to something else. When I'm in prison, I'll see men, and I'll say, give me your testimony. And he'll say, well, I was a Christian. I was a deacon in a church. I backslid. I, um, I did all these things, ended up in jail. And I said, what are you now? He says, I'm a Muslim. Oh, really? And what he, does, what he said is this, I've left that faith. You're wrong. And I'm placing my faith in this religion. And his whole life, his whole life, he looks like a Muslim. He prays on a mat. He wears something on his head. He's given assent to it, right? That's what that means. And he says, Paul says, in the latter times, people will depart from the real faith and give heed to deceiving spirits or seducing spirits and doctrines of demon. All a doctrine of demon is, is you just change what the Bible says. When we're on Wednesday nights going through the book of Judges, isn't it amazing how the children of Israel would cling to all the gods of the surrounding nations but the one true God who saved them? They cling to every god but the right one. They'd leave him and cling to all these other gods. It's amazing how people in Alexander County want to cling to everything but Jesus. See, they're giving heed to deceiving spirits. You take a person who, who was a Christian or said they were a Christian, now they're atheist or agnostic. They give their life to that worldview. They give their life, the whole, their whole meaning to it. They're invested in it. They give heed to it. That's what I'm talking about. People have left the faith and they give heed to these other things, seducing spirits. John says this in 2 John. He said, there are many going to come, false teachers he's talking about, many deceivers are entered into the world. And he says this, if they come to your house, don't even bring them in and bid them Godspeed. If you do, you're a partaker of their evil deeds. In John's day, he says, there's false teachers going to come to your house. They're going to give you a false doctrine. He says, just shun them and leave, let them go. If they come to your house, you send them to 648 Shook Lane. I'll be happy to talk to them. I'll be happy to talk to them if I have time. All right? You just send them to your preacher's house, and I'll be happy to talk to them. Moses in the Old Testament says this, and I'm not going to read the whole section. In Deuteronomy, he says, Suppose there are prophets among you who dream dreams about the future, and they promise you signs or miracles, and the predicted signs or miracles occur. Do you hear what I said? Moses is saying this. One of the smartest men to ever live was Moses. And he said this, Suppose there are prophets among you, or those who dream dreams about the future, and they promise you signs and miracles, and the predicted signs or miracles occur. If they then say, come, let us worship other gods, small g, gods you have not known before, do not listen to them, even though the prediction and the miracles occur. That's what he's saying. Yeah, but no, they're wrong. doesn't matter if you can do a miracle. Jesus said that there will be signs and wonders that people can do. But if the faith is wrong, it's wrong. He said, the Lord God is testing you to see if you truly love him with all your heart and soul. Serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commandments, listen to his voice, and cling to him. What are you clinging to? In your mind, what are you giving your mind to? What, are you, what books are you reading? What podcasts? Listen to me, podcast listeners. You're getting so smart. Okay, what are you listening to? I had a guy said, you need to listen to this guy. He is so smart. He was one of the least intelligent person I ever listened to, but he's a good speaker. His worldview is really messed up. Had no idea about Jesus and Christianity. Made bold claims about it. But I said, our second graders in Sunday school are smarter than him when it comes to the Bible. And the guy got extremely upset at me. I said, I'm not being mean. I'm just, use your brain, sir. This is a historical book that's historically accurate that is historically verifiable, it is. And for me, people to make claims that are not even true about it, and they have a, a very uh, elementary idea of what Christianity is, and you're going to listen to them? 
You're giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I don't care how nice they are or how well spoken they are. Moses said, don't even listen to them. He said, the false prophets or visionaries who try to lead you astray must be, he's what he says, put to death. That was the Jewish people. We don't do that, right? Listen, we live in God bless America. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? We have freedoms in America. People have the right to believe in and worship, spiritually speaking, whatever they want to. Next week, uh, we're going to celebrate Veterans Day. Okay? Aren't you thankful for our veterans that give us our freedoms? If somebody wanted to put a mosque in Alexander County, that's their right. That's their right to do it. If, if, a, if a cult wanted to buy some land and put up something here, okay, and sell food, they have a right to do it, don't they? If they want to, they do it. What is the church's response to that? To give heed to their doctrine? Try to, try to witness to them, right? You don't burn the place down. You don't touch nobody. If you can't speak to another person and win arguments with your mouth and you have to touch somebody, you're, you're uh, intellectually weak is what you are. And you don't have really good knowledge of your faith. Grow up and mature. Know your Bible inside and out. And, and lead, people, lead people back to Jesus that way. You have the truth. It doesn't matter how many buildings people build here. How many stores they open up to promote their false agenda? You are the person with the truth, and instead of griping about it and complaining about it, win them to Jesus, amen? Do that. You have the freedom in America to do whatever you want to. Back in Moses' day, he said, oh, I'll just kill them. We're not going to do that, right? We don't do that. And then the final thing is this, work out your own salvation. Now notice verse 3, and I'm going to hurry. Notice what he says in verse 3. He said, in his day, in Paul's day, these teachers are telling some people in Ephesus, don't marry. Some of the greatest verses in the Bible on marriage are Ephesians 5, in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And all God's women said, amen. He said, you love her like your own body, right? You cultivate her, you cherish that woman. And he said, he said literally what you're to do is present her, that your, your spouse, spiritually speaking, to the Lord and say, God, I did all I can to help her spiritually. To help her in her work. Lord, Lord, I'm trying, my, my goal in life is, is to love Jesus and love her second and make it so her life is wonderful. That's what, that's what Paul says. It revolutionized the first century. Women were treated like dirt, and then Paul comes along. Everybody bashes Paul. I'm like, the reason you do that is because you don't understand the Bible. He said, Let love be patient, let it be kind. Don't keep any records of wrongs, don't do it. Do you ever keep a date on when your spouse said this or didn't do this? They didn't do this. That's not love, people. Men, it's your job to make your life, your wife's life easier and better, whether you like it or not. And then false teachers would come along and say, you're not holy if you marry. And Jesus would tell us this. God has called some people to singleness. He has. Paul said in his lifetime, I don't know if he's married or not. Some people think he might have been. But he said, right now in my lifetime, it's better for me to be single because I'm a missionary. Don't have to worry about kids and a wife. Don't have to drag her to these places where Paul, listen, Paul was shipwrecked and robbed. Now, what if he had a wife? It'd be tough, wouldn't it? But these people come along and said, you shouldn't marry. Satan has always attacked the institution of marriage from the garden because it's the image, two image bearers of Christ coming together. It's a picture of our relationship to the church. Christ is the groom, we're the bride. Satan always attacks the institution of marriage. When we support a missionary, if it's an independent person, or a, a person wants to come and speak to our church, or this, that, or that, you know what I'll say? First thing, how's your marriage? Because I understand it's under attack if you're serving Jesus and you're speaking publicly. It is. Pray for your Sunday school teachers. Satan hates your Sunday school teacher, what they're teaching, and their marriage and their family. And what he'll do is get the church to get behind him and gossip about people and their families. God help us. Does Satan need any help? Won't you grow up? Get off Facebook for 15 minutes and be a mature adult and serve the Lord and encourage people. Amen? Look, he says they're forbidding the marriage and then abstain from certain foods. Oh, so you're a Jew and you're eating bacon. How can you be a born again if you're a Jew eating bacon? 
That's what they're saying. And notice what, what Paul goes on to say. He says this. Go to the next verse. He says, listen, that's wrong. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. God told Peter, look, Peter, I know you're a Jew, and you couldn't eat that stuff in the Old Testament. Look, everything's clean. Kill it and eat it. Right? Good, good, good advice. Kill it. Right? Don't eat them alive. Then eat it. Right? Kill it first. Eat it. Okay? Everything's clean. Aren't you thankful? Listen, the problem in Alexander County in the South is this. We will, as a church, make rules that aren't in the Bible and will worship the rules. Jesus told the Pharisees, you're teaching as a doctrine. Now, it's a doctrine. The traditions of men. You're teaching as a doctrine, tradition. That's what he's saying. Listen, if you go to a church and the pastor gets up there and he, he preaches on his convictions all the time as a doctrine, leave that church. I'm not saying he's not saved, but see, people worship the rules more than they worship Jesus. you got to listen to a certain kind of music, Christian music. You gotta you gotta dress a certain way. Your hair's gotta be cut a certain way. Okay? If you're a preacher, you can't wear a tank top. God help us, really. Hey, when I went to the beach one time, I was sitting there, we was getting out of the car, right, with our kids. They were little, carrying all that stuff. You know, here I am carrying everything. Dirt all over you, going, Oh Lord, please let this be a short day. And I see a guy pull up in a car, he's got a suit and a tie on. I look at him, he does this. He walks down the beach like this. Looking at everybody, comes right back. Walk, look, God is my witness. Walks down here, looks at us, gets in his car and leaves. And I said, I guarantee you. Well, I can't guarantee you. I said, it's probably a guy who said, I went to the coast and I wore my suit on the beach to show you how to dress. Now, come on. Now, listen. We're, I think we've matured past the point of teaching the tradition of men as doctors. I got convictions. I got convictions I bet Matt don't have. Okay, gray areas, all right? I have a conscience and I have the Holy Spirit. Paul's, Paul tells us, work out your own salvation. Jesus gives us specific commands, okay, and we're to do them. If it's not there, brothers and sisters, why are you adding 11th and 12th commandment? Amen? I'm not going to do that to you. I have convictions, okay, that may not be just like yours. See, in Alexander County, people will gossip about other people's convictions, like they're sinning. Isn't that sad? And people will start preaching about convictions and not, and not preach the Bible. I'm like, who cares about your convictions? It's okay if you have them. Good for you. See, we worship man-made rules more than we worship Jesus. Paul says this, every creature of God is good, and all of God's people said, amen, amen or not. And nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. What God says is this, if it's not specifically mentioned in Scripture, there's liberty and freedom. Okay? You should never do anything that's going to hurt a weaker brother, but eventually, too, that weaker brother's got to grow up. Okay? Because you have to live a life for yourself. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict your conscience, and you're praying about it and you're thankful for it, then who am I to tell you what to do or not to do? You're an adult, right? I think we'll get to heaven one day and God will say, man, you could have had a lot more fun. <laughs> You could have, but no, you, you had these set of rules. You got the Ten Commandments and then your commandments. You got like 50, right? You never smiled. You never had fun. You never did anything in your life. Whatever you eat or whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God. And all of God's people said, I'm going to ask your musicians to come if you'll stand with me. And we'll close this way. And I would say this. Look, think about this. Departing from the faith. Maybe you're at this point, maybe you've been to a university, and I know in some universities, a lot of the education system is pointed away from Christ. And if you have that for four years, it's, it's a battle in your mind, right? Maybe you have children, or maybe it's you, okay? Maybe you're doing online studies or whatever. And in your mind, you have these doubts. It's okay to have doubts. Okay? It's okay to doubt. It's wrong to depart. Ask God, ask God to help you with your doubts. It's okay. I have people come to me all the time. I'm sorry to say this, but I'm doubting. I'm saying, no, you're just a human being, right? We all doubt. 
And then we all know people who are departing or departed. Listen to what James says, the Lord's brother. This is a great ministry for all of us. He says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, depart, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Tremendous. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today, believe in Jesus. Assent, give heed to Jesus and be saved today. If you're watching online, assent, give, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus today. And I'm here at this altar, Kevin's here at this altar. We have many people, men and women, who can help you with that decision if you want to make it today, okay? And then those of us that are here, in your mind, you're tempted to depart, ask God to help you. Some of you here, you're doubting some things, and that's okay, ask God to help you. And then many of us probably know somebody who has departed and say, God, today I want you to commission me to be a missionary to that person. What a tremendous ministry. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the clarity of your word. We want to thank you for the freedom we have in Christ. And Father, I pray that this invitation will bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. As Sharon leads us in the song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. for your words. I love you and your family. We're looking forward to being able to minister to you guys next week. Listen to me. Show grace to people. Speak the truth in love. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed and hope to see you back here tonight. Thank you very much.